Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And where do we start? Here on WGR550.com, uh, on-demand audio, and the radio.com mm, app. Holy crap. Bills game Sunday. Bills a Sunday. College football Saturday. UB. UB. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Sabres Hockey's back. Camp started. Eric Carlson got traded. Where do we start? There's too much. There's a lot. There's a lot. Time to shoot off the hip here. We'll go Bills. Start the Bills. We'll start Bills. Because, I mean, Josh Allen is the starter for this game against the Los Angeles Chargers. It's still not the San Diego Chargers anymore, no matter how many times anyone's going to screw it up. Chargers coming here. No Joey Bosa. That's good. But they still have Melvin Ingram to help out with a fierce pass rush. They still have Casey Hayward, who is one of the best corners in the game. And the Bills still look bad on Sunday last week. So that can't be ignored either. I'm starting to wonder something, though, Frank. What's that? That preseason game where Josh Allen was just getting dominated by the, the Bengals' defensive line. Yeah. Yes, I know the Ravens did the same exact thing, but uh, since he's good, I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm taking away at this point is that since he's just really good, and maybe Josh Allen was berated by that line because, well, they have a talented defensive line. Guess what? So does Baltimore. The Chargers... They have some injuries. Bose is out. Bose is out. You really, you know, Melvin Ingram's your other solid pass rusher. You know that he's probably going to be on the side there of Deion Dawkins. Yeah. Which means that your best lineman is taking on theirs. So there might be a sliver of hope that the line looks competent on Sunday against L.A. Am I still going to take the Bills to the points? Hell no. At this point, no. Because the Bills looked so pathetic, not just on offense, but on defense, and that group got away with sneaking out the back door, by the way. The defense looked awful for very big stretches of the of the game against Baltimore. The zone coverage, very soft, allowed Flacco to check down and get yards after catch with his players. For the first two drives, it looked like they couldn't cover a tight end to save their lives. So I need to see better here before I could have faith in the Bills. But the biggest thing for me is, hey, Josh Allen starting. And I really hate the fact that it came to this this quickly because of how bad Nathan Peterman was. I mean, we saw it we, with the Texans last year. It took a half for them to realize, yeah, we should be playing our rookie, Deshaun. Watson. So that's what they did. And they had success until he got hurt. Well, hopefully, if we could repeat that, that would be pretty cool. I mean... I mean, they're not going to do that because at least, at least I'm, Houston... I'm talking about 
Allen going off like Watson. Yeah, it's hard. It's it, I'm saying it's good. That's what I'm going at too. It's hard I for can hope, okay? it, we can hope, but it's going to be hard for that to happen because Allen doesn't have a DeAndre Hopkins. Oh. Allen doesn't have a Will Fuller. No, he doesn't. I mean, he does have a LaShawn McCoy. He does have LaShawn McCoy, and that's going to that's going to help. Have Lamar Miller or whatever that is. So there there's an advantage there in the running back, but in the receivers, he doesn't have much. True. So that's going to be a problem. My biggest thing going into Sunday's game, you we, you were talking about the defense and how they're not really getting they're getting a pass in essentially for last week's game. I can understand why. They were on the field a lot. They were on the field most a lot. of the game. So for me going into this game, I want to see sustained drives, time of possession. If the Bills can keep their defense off the field a little bit more, I think then and then you'll start you'll see a better performance by the defense when Philip Rivers is playing is on the field and throwing the ball. Because that that's when your def you you know we've seen it before when the defense is out there for a long time throughout the game mm-hmm. it wears them down and obviously it didn't help that they got picked apart so quickly in the er, and so early in the game but it also doesn't help that they were out there forever yeah it just again part of this for me is the whole. It's almost like a chicken and egg kind of conversation. Do you think the defense could have been better if they weren't on the field so much? But I'm sorry, they took Baltimore took that first that opening drive right down the field. Yeah, they did. And they did. Yes, the Bills went three and out, but then they went right back down the field again. And that those are th- and those are things. I I got the pos- I got is, the possession numbers up, and my problem is that that game got off the rails quickly on both sides. Yeah, and that's and that's tr- and that is true. That that's very true. But at the at the same and and I think that's something where and then especially when it was early on because there was a lot of checkdowns to the tight ends that results in a lot of yards, a lot of you just had a lot of soft zone coverages. Phil Gaines lost John Brown on yeah. a twenty eight yard gain on a second and twenty six. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and those are things. And that's where I'm going to call him into question. I'm not going to call him into yeah. question for giving up forty some odd points. No, that's not what I'm doing that for. That's because. As a matter of fact, when you saw Baltimore's next two scoring possessions, they were short fields and they gave up field goals. Yeah. So you kind of saw the defense flex their muscles a little bit and try to get themselves back into this game. And that's where I think they're able to sneak out the back doors because they at least showed some sort of promise, whereas the offense just did not do anything in that whole first half. And their one scoring drive came when Josh Allen came in. I got the possession, time of possession numbers up. It's probably really ugly, isn't it? Not as bad as one would think. Probably because of the fact that at the end of the game, they're, you're just running out the clock as much yeah. as humanly possible, and the Bills were actually able to get some Buffalo's, first downs. Buffalo's time of possession was close to 25 minutes. Well, still pretty bad. It's still bad. Baltimore was at 35. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's it's still bad, but not, it's not as bad. I w- when I when I was when I was going into this, the page to look at possession, I was expecting more of like 40-20. Yeah, but that's probably what it was on pace for after the first. Yeah, probably, and that probably probably is true. So that's why for me, for me, I want to see the offense be able to not only get more than three points, get a touchdown, 
I want to see them sustain drives, march down the field. They don't have to. It doesn't. Not, it doesn't have to be spectacular. Baltimore didn't do anything spectacular. Flacco wasn't just chucking the ball up every two two throws. Most of his plays were checkdowns, because that's what he does. That's what you got to do. There was one do really it. well thrown ball to Michael Crabtree yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah, that one. That was yeah. That's a. But when you constantly checking down, you're going to open that up at some point. But the big thing is. There's a pretty easy way to correct that. Lay off the soft zone. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all you have to do. And you can get those checkdowns kind of taken care of at that point. Do you think do you think a lot of that soft zone was because the Ravens don't have that elite receiver? I think it's because of Joe Flacco's arm that they had the soft zone going on. Okay. Because they respect the deep threat that there is with Joe Flacco. Yeah. Which will bring us to Josh Allen in a bit, but so that so then my question for going into the, the for game planning the defense going into Philip Rivers are you going to have a more man coverage with Rivers or are you going to still be in a in a zone in a zone scheme? You could have aggressive zone schemes. You can have tight zone schemes. You play a lot of soft zone in the fact of. You know, John Brown is a speed demon. Yeah. And Joe Flacco has the cannon arm, and you definitely do not want to give that up because that's an insta touchdown. Yep. With the Chargers, you have a balanced offense. Yeah. So you're gonna need to mix up the play call. So that's why I that's why I asked that. You're gonna see because you have because you better see some man coverage concepts in there because I'm sorry, but if I'm playing a zone concept and someone other than Tredavious White is covering Keenan Allen, you're toast. Yep. It's over. Yeah. That's where my problem is. Mm-hmm. Leslie Frazier really has to be able to tune it up and fix up whatever the hell the play calling was in week one. I could see why it was a certain way, but at some point after he's decimating you, you got to mix things up. And I better bet that that's going to happen here I think with we're- week two. We're also going to need to see Vontae Davis on the field. Vontae Davis probably will be on the field because he should be. Taron Johnson has been injured, Yes, which means Philip Gaines is going to have to move inside at the nickel corner, which means that Vontae Davis will have to be on the outside. You're going to see Vontae Davis in this game. Good. And he, and he should, and he's probably going to be on uh, Mike Williams. Yes. Besides, you only have four healthy corners at this point. Too. Yeah. So Vontae yeah. Davis will be here. Yep. He will be playing. So... Now to Josh Allen. And how are they going to game plan against him? I've got one answer and one answer only. Blitz the hell out of the rookie. Yeah. You that's really ex- what it's going to come down to. you got to expect that's what they're going to do. And guess what? The Ravens did it to Peterman. You want to know why? Fun fact for you. In his first preseason, Nathan Peterman was terrible against the Blitz. In his actual games, he was terrible against pressure. So what do you do here? Yes, you're going to need a spy because Josh Allen can move. And that's a big thing. And I think that's where hopefully the Bills offense can really get something going. Is because Josh Allen can move. You saw a lot of run, you saw a lot of the RPO concepts. And but the thing is, you're running them with a guy in Nathan Peterman who's never really run an RPO before last week. So I don't know if he was making the right reads. 
when it comes to when to hand the ball off, when not to. There were a lot of RPO concepts being run by Dable, and guess what? Josh Allen thrives in that sort of situation. So I'm a little interested to see what the hell happens here with Josh Allen on RPOs and Chargers having to respect not only his big arm, but his mobility. Also, it'd be nice to be uh, not losing 14 nothing within three drives. That is, that would that be is true, too. Because you lose out on more LaShawn McCoy touches, the uglier it gets quicker. Yeah. That's what happened there. You saw next to no LaShawn McCoy in that one because, one, it turned into a chasing game early, and then it became a blowout very quickly. So you saw, what, seven carries for McCoy? Yeah, okay. something like that. That's, that's not a recipe for anyone to succeed. Peterman, Allen, if McCarron was still here. Hell, if we signed Teddy Bridgewater instead, that's still not a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. To be down 14 nothing within the first three drives combined from the two teams, that's terrible. Baltimore always has had that stout run defense. Yep. The Chargers have had a solid defense, but it's banged up. Is there a chance that you can look better? Well, first off, God, God, good God, I hope so. Yeah. But second, how are you going to look better? I think the run game is where it starts. It's going to look better because you're not dealing with Baltimore's aggressive run defense. Yeah. But again, I don't know how much better this team can look because they were so terrible that all benefit of the doubt kind of has been erased. It's so bizarre what happens in a week's time. It really is. In the NFL. It really is, you know. Now, I think that Josh Allen can get some things done. I really do. But I also think that the Chargers offense is so talented and so balanced that the Bills ultimately do lose this game. Now, what's the line right now in the game is... Nine. Nine. Nine points. That's redonkulous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what the hell? It's hard to see, especially with how bad the offense was last week. It's And now you're playing, now the defense is playing a talented offense mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Chargers. It's hard to really see this game being close. Right. I think there's a possibility that, that it will. The Bills are at home. They're going to have that riding. You got the rookie starting, and there's there's going to be unpredictability with that. There where is. he might do a lot of good things, then he might do a couple bad things. The question, though, is what is going to be outweighing the other? Exactly. Is the bad going to outweigh the good? Are we going to see the Josh Allen habits that scared the hell out of me when I was scouting him at Wyoming? Or are we going to see the guy that... Uh, can make those beautiful plays that we saw the flashes in the pan. I think if the game gets out of hand really quickly, like it did last week, we might see those Allen habits. Yes. Because he's going to try to, he's going to come down to one thing. Can that interior offensive line look better than whatever the hell that was against Baltimore? Yeah. And the preseason game against Cincy. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty big precursor, huh? Mm -hmm. Wasn't it? That, A lot of people were worried about the offensive line after that third preseason game. Yep. 
And now you're seeing why. Because we kind of ignored it with the Cleveland game. Because people thought, eh, A.J. McCarron tends to hold the ball sometimes a little too long. Um, but what about against Carolina? Peterman had that ball out so quickly that you didn't see the flaws in the offensive line. Yep. Yep. The starting line looks atrocious. It's bad. And we shouldn't really be surprised because the Bills never really did anything to improve it. They tried, or to try. They did try some things. However, signing Russell Bodine is not what I would call the greatest. I mean, move. and we obviously too. It didn't help that they weren't expecting Eric Wood to retire. They weren't expecting. They had time for that, and they did address the center position. The biggest thing was that they had a. I think they had too much faith in the in-house answers. Yeah. They had too much faith in Vlad Dukas, which I still don't know why. Yeah. They had too much faith in Ryan Groy or Russell Bodine to win the job. And they still had too much faith it just, it in didn't John Miller feel like back. It didn't – yeah, they had a, definitely had to have faith in Miller and somehow Dukas. But with the center position, it didn't feel like that they it tried to – Make improve make even that I know that the they one, had I know that, that they was the one were, position they signed a player too. So I'm gonna check you on that. They signed I, they I, signed someone in free agency that was a starting center in the league. So that was the one that they did address was the center. What they didn't do was address the guard. Yeah. They drafted Wyatt Teller yeah. in the fifth round, and you know what? Uh, to all credits, first off, Teller doesn't look ready. He didn't he wasn't even active. And guess what that means? That you put too much faith in house. Yeah. Miller and Dukas have been terrible. Ryan Groy has looked pathetic. There was a play where, like, within two seconds, Groy is on his back and they are coming at Peterman. Yeah. Within two seconds. Good luck getting any success from that. That's not to excuse Peterman, of course. Yeah, that's but not. Yeah. This line has not it, looked good, it's not helped. And here you go, the boogeyman, the Chargers. The last time we threw a rookie in, the Chargers ate it up. It's a different rookie. It's a more prestigious rookie, probably more physically talented, easily more physically talented, I should say. Still a rookie. But he's still a rookie. He could make bad decisions. And guess what happens there? Good defenses tend to pick that off. So, okay, I want to stick with the bill. I have this question. Okay. I've been thinking about it all week. Yeah. And I believe Mike Schoep brought it up earlier this week on Schoep and Bulldog. And it, it, or at least in a way, kind of made me think of this question. How much does the city itself impact hiring coaches in terms? So here, so hear me out on this. What do we know about the city of Buffalo? It's cold. It's a cold place in the winter. Mm-hmm. But what are the people usually described as? Blue collar, hardworking, they and like you got the coat. And then, what was that last one? They like fourth line grinders too much. Yeah, <laughs> and you get the coach who has similar characteristics. I know this was after Rex Ryan as well, but I think McDermott was a higher. You bring up Rex Ryan. To answer this, they wanted the opposite. Ryan was a showman. They wanted someone hardworking, nose to the grindstone. Right. However. They went with an established coach. They went with 
the coordinator. Right. But here's my thing. But here's my thing. Look at teams look at look at a team like the LA Rams. What do we know about the city of Los Angeles? It's flashy. Sunny, blah, blah, blah. I don't know and, how much I can buy into this because I know where, where here, it's well, going. Here's, because no, because here, here's here's where I'm here's where I'm going. Because my my big thing is my big thing about this, they hired Sean McVay, offensive minded, flashy, flair, you know, more dramatic, flares for the dramatic, I should say. Well, it's just that it's a fun offense. Yeah, because the people who live in LA can relate more. To that kind of coach, that kind of mindset, the flashiness, the fun. Right. Whereas the people of Buffalo have a mindset that relates more to McDermott's style of hardworking, built through grind. And I wonder how. So I wonder how much that it, it, it sounds. It sounds crazy. It, I know sure, it. Like I said, but I wonder sure I can... how much that. How much that has. That relates into the hiring process. I don't know how much that should. Because when it, you're an owner and you're trying to and you have to hire a new coach, you got to make sure the fans like them too. You know what my problem is then? It's this. If that is something that actually happens here, then they deserve to lose. That's my and that's, hire, hire the best candidate that, that could, you believe could be. And that might be my worry. That can be that could be my worry. You think that this happened? Therefore, it's going to go. And I get that they were going with the opposite of Rex Ryan. But you could also go with the opposite of get the. Don't get a. What's the the other opposite of Rex Ryan? Get an offense. Get an offensively minded coach. When was the last time we hired an offensively minded coach? Yeah. Changeli? Yeah. That didn't work out well because he was so old and set in his ways. But if they had it, but I mean, when Fitzpatrick was, I mean, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was a quarterback. Look at all the coaches actually in the drought. Only Chan Gailey is the offensive mind. Oh, well, Mike Malarkey. Yeah, Mike Malarkey so too. So two. Yeah. Two of them. But in guess the what? Years. Both of those, and both of those coaches have at least had success with the, not with the offense in terms of the Bills had an offense. Yes, they did. Those. Yeah. With those coaches, they just never, they just didn't really have a defense. The yeah, closest was the, the 04 Bills. The, the Changeli defenses, man. The Changeli defense was terrible. Woof, if that woof, defense was average, woof. they pro- they might break the drought earlier. Yeah, that drought doesn't happen as long as it and does. There is, and it's a possibility Fitzpatrick would have been here longer. We may not even have drafted EJ Manuel. Uh, I mean, yeah. Because that offense, because Fitzpatrick did have success. Yeah. He had he a couple did. good years. He did. He did earn that contract, in a way. You would. He would have probably. Be, he still likely would have been been like, "Hey, kind of overpaid for him." I still. But think you got a guy. Happy. But you got your guy. That was a trigger happy contract. But he, he remember he. It's not like he had like, it. He, it wasn't a Garoppolo thing. Yeah. It wasn't just like he had a few good games. He at least had two years. All right. So anyway, my main main point being this. I like what McDermott is. I like what McDermott has brought. Has brought. I just. I wonder if that is a thing. We're gonna have to see, because 
twice now he's gone to this Nathan Peterman experience, and twice that has blown up in everyone's face. And I'm worried, and I and I worry that because they got a guy like Josh Allen who he's not a flashy quarterback. He's got that. Yes, he's got yes, the arm. He is. I mean, he's got the arm. Yes, he's got the arm. He can and he can move. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the athleticism. Yes. Honestly, honestly, if you want the, if you want the like the blue collar, hardworking kind of thing, you wouldn't have taken the guy that has the most athletic upside. That's fair. You know. It's just it's frustrating. Everything's it's, frustrating. It, I, and, yeah, I just I wonder I wonder things like but that. But if the Pagulas and the Bills hired someone based on the city, well, then you deserve to lose. And if they do, if they continue that, which they probably will, and nothing improves in the next couple of years, maybe my theory's got some got some legs to it. All right, I, I, but we'll see. I yeah. I don't want it to be true. I don't want it. You know, I don't want to think that as well. It's just it's something that I'm that I just I wonder. Yeah, I'm not too fond of this theory. I think it's. I don't like. Less... I don't like it too. I just I I thought of that. I yeah. thought of how the how the Rams have had that had that turnaround where you get that you're you're in L. A. Flashy city. Yep. Pe- people there. You know. You get you get something that that they love. It's, it's that it's that fun style. It's you know. It, the flashiness, yeah. yeah, I get that. It just, again, I, I don't. I hope they don't make decisions based on that. Yeah, because if they do, then they deserve every bad thing that would come to them. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I. Again, it's it's hard for it's also also because it's just until they show. But I what also they, know what you mean until, because being drafted, Allen, because of the weather, and yeah. I cringed every time yeah. that we had a guest on on GR. All throughout the draft process, that said, oh, Josh Allen would be great here, you know, combating the strong Buffalo winds. That's like three games a year, if that. What yeah. About the other, what about the other thirteen? Yeah. The the laughable thing though was, and because with the weather, collar and with, grind, with, with how and... the weather was in Baltimore, the snarky thing is uh, maybe you should have started the guy that is built for the harsh weather. Yeah. As, yeah. as I roll my eyes. Yeah. And cry myself to sleep. <laughs> All right. I just I don't want to see this. I want to see this Bills team have that fun offense, just like how yes. we want that for the Sabers as well. And they're they've at least are making moves to do that, whereas we haven't seen that yet with the Bills. And yeah, good lord, get us a receiver. Yeah, like what are you doing? Like the Rams, their first year in L.A. have that terrible year with. Fire Jeff. Obviously, you fire Jeff Fisher. Obviously, that happened because then you because they've already they already have golf. Robert Woods does his first year away from Buffalo. Yeah, and it's like he was but actually it's, good. It's, or they something. took that one off season after Goff's rookie year, and they completely make turn, make a three sixty on it. Uh, you mean a one eighty? Or yeah, one eighty. Sorry, because a three sixty is just a full turn. Yeah, that, that was just, so. But but yeah, they yeah they just sign Robert Woods. Trade for Sammy Watkins. It just it You've hurts. already got Gurley. It hurts to see that sort of thing, yes. And it's just until I just, I, I'm gonna have that I'm gonna keep having those that kind of thought process until they at least show that 
they're trying to build they're building up that kind of that kind of style. They want to go down that route. Right. It's just until then, it feels like they're going down the route of built through the run on offense and win with their defense. Hmm. Because they look they look to be built that way because they've they right now they've really only made improvements to their defense. Oh yeah. And again, it just And it worries me that they're gonna continue to do it in the offseason. Then they deserve what happens to them if they struggle. Yeah. And that's so, that's my wor- and that's my worry. I get that. I just again, I don't think that that sort of hiring happens, but if it does, well, We'll have fun doing this again in three years. Yeah. Is yeah. basically what I would say. Yeah. All right. So moving on from the Bills. I mean, we both picked L.A. in uh, mm-hmm. in the Pickums. Uh, yeah. It just – I don't I, – I can't really predict a score here because I don't know what the hell the Bills' offense is going to do. I don't know either. It's so – Their, I feel their like... offense was so trash last week, I don't – I can't even give them credit for possibly scoring points. They might score. They might actually get a touchdown, and that's it. I don't think so. And they might. Then you could be right. That's how much I hated that game. You and you could say they might get shut out. Yeah, probably. Legit, they probably will. Or you could be like, they might score ten points. Uh, you might even be pushing that. I'm gonna go with like twenty-eight to nine. Sure, whatever. Three field goals. Yeah, that's it. Still don't get a touchdown. Yep. I'm going to say they find they find a way to get a touchdown and maybe a field goal. I'm going to say it's I'm going to say the score is going to be like 27 to 10. All right, let's talk about things that make me feel better. Sabres? Sabres, UB. I mean, UB against Eastern Michigan. Yeah. On Saturday, Alumni Field. 6 o'clock? Yes. 6 o'clock. In the first game of conference play, this is huge mm-hmm. because the conference is really the question mark for UB. Everyone thinks that you know the out-of-conference schedule is favorable for UB, and it's just that you got to make some noise in-house. Yeah. And with conference games, sometimes the strangest things happen. Can UB go ahead and get to 3-0? That'd be huge. That'd be amazing, especially with what's going on with the Bills. This is probably the greatest opportunity for them to strike. Just like how the Big Four basketball scene last year went off in a big way when the Sabres were butt. It looks like UB might be looking at potentially another perfect chance to strike. Because if the Bills flop again and UB is 3-0, and you might see people just be like, uh, I should just watch this team instead of the Bills because <laughs> there's actually good football being played. So why not? Yeah. Eastern Michigan right now, 2-0 and as well. So this is going to be a toughie. Coming off a 20-19 to win over, over Purdue. Purdue last week. They beat a Big Ten team. Yep. So this looks like this has the makings of one of those kinds of slugfests. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. I and am so excited for this game. Get down to there to that game. If you can't get down there, you can always listen on our sister station at ESPN 1520, by the way. Can you be get to three and is the big question. Mm-hmm. And they have the talent to do it on offense. Khalil Hodge is going to have a big game on defense. Anthony Johnson played with a heavy heart. He did last week. He did, and came away with one of the greatest grabs to help win the game. Mm-hmm. 
and this is standard for UB, the amazing plays right now on offense, not the players playing with a heavy heart part. Uh, but you're looking at a team that they really can put the points up. And like you said, the defense is going to need to make sure that, to keep things at bay. We can expect the offense to put points up. Yeah. The defense has to be able to keep pace and at least get that stop. And that's what happened against Temple. They got that stop when they needed it. Because that was a back-and-forth affair. This is going to be a slugfest. You this really Temple is. was punch each other in the face yeah. until someone finally misses, and that was Temple. Temple did not get another drive to respond to UB taking the lead. Mm-hmm. I see another thing like this happening, and I think UB does get the 3-0. Let's go. Let's go. It'd be really hear, cool to see a hear successful the, UB team here. Want to hear some little stats about both these teams? Okay. UB 2-0, 84 points so far in both games, averaging 42 points. Oh, Eastern Michigan 2-0, 71 points. Both can, both can fly. Both can fly. And points against Eastern Michigan has given up 36, and UB is given up 39. This is just going to be back and forth. Back and forth. Let's go. Hopefully we get something out of this. Both of them had a pretty soft week one opponent. Yep. Both of them came away with impressive non-conference wins in week two. Yep. Let's see what they've got. All right. I'm going to hit the ice. Should we laugh at Ottawa first? <laughs> I guess that answer is yes. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just when Pierre Dorian looked like he was going to get some things straightened out and be only the second-worst GM in the NHL. How do you trade one of the best players in the world and still don't have any leverage in it? Because Eugene Melnick is a terrible, terrible owner yeah. and should give up the team. <laughs> That's my answer. They have that. They make that Twitter video. Of him and <laughs> of him and Mark Borowiecki, of all people. Well, hey, they need him now since they just traded their best defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Borowiecki's going to help. And they come – they have that – they have that five like, – it was like a six-minute video. And, <laughs> and then they trade Eric Carlson yesterday. So he's on, and now Eric Carlson's on the Sharks. Yeah, geez. Oh, my God. Sharks' top four is now Eric Carlson, Brett Burns, and Mark Edward Vlasic. All right. So let's talk about how this has, real quick, about the Sabres' ramifications. Oh, my God. So the Sabres, we're going to hope. So remember that let, thing about. So as the offseason began, everyone's like, okay, yo, could if, if they get John Tavares, that locks them into that playoff spot which means that we get that 2019 first round pick guess what it's the same thing except now instead of John Tavares it's that they actually got Eric Carlson yeah so now we can expect the Sabres to be picking and they tr- and San Jose tried to get they almost Tavares. got him they offered him 13 million a year they almost got him they almost got him Tavares they, had it between the Leafs and the Sharks at the end of all things yeah the Sharks are in an arms race and on paper it should be Sharks and Lightning However, that's not how things work. doesn't work like that in the but NHL. But you know what's going to work? Buffalo getting that pick late in the first round in 2019. <laughs> that's, the, that's even the best part because Ottawa's Ottawa... conditional first round pick. 
is either it's supposed to either be 2019 or 2020. Now the Sharks Vander, are making the playoffs. The Sharks are making the playoffs. They are they're winning the division. They're too off. talented to not make the playoffs. Which means the Buffalo is going to get the 2019 first. Ottawa is going to get the 2020 first from San Jose. And that's laughable. That means that they Ottawa, traded their best player, the best player they've ever had, a two-time Norris defenseman, defense for defenseman. a package that includes a guy named Norris. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Do you have any info on these prospects coming the other way? Because while you look at that, I do have to say this much. It, I, okay, just it's, and they still don't have a first-round pick this year. And that's what I want to go on. That is. They I are, said, I, I tweeted that yesterday, and I and I was like, that is the most hilarious thing ever. They're on full tank, and they're going to get no reward for it because Colorado holds their first-round pick now this year. It is. And it's hilarious how much they're doing. And one of the conditions, by the way, with there's a chance at another first-round pick Yeah. if Carlson ends up in the Eastern Conference, also known as Eric, I got the San I got Jose. The conditions. Say San Jose can't get a deal okay. done long term with Carlson. I got I got the conditions. All right. Should the should the Sharks sign Carlson to a contract extension, Ottawa receives San Jose's second round pick in 2021, which would upgrade to a first, no lottery protected, if San Jose reaches the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019. So, and this is if, the Sharks we're talking about. So if San Jose makes the finals this year and they re-sign Carlson, Ottawa gets a first-round pick in 2021. Which, again, that's the condition So they that. get two. So then they could the, it, get two. Yeah. But the big thing is, but, hang this on. is the Sharks we're talking about. They are choke artists. That's true. If Carlson is on an Eastern Conference roster during the 2018-2019 season, the Senators will receive an additional first-round pick in no later than 2022 also known as we can't negotiate a long-term deal with carlson crap gotta deal him at the deadline why would you do that you're going on a cup push no you know what that tells me that that he doesn't trust doug wilson to flip him again like he did with mike hoffman it just me no yes (laughs) yes also that tells me he had a better deal for carlson from an eastern team and he refuses and for for some reason, refuses to trade within the East. Just like Mike Hoffman. You know what? That just, whatever, That's Dorian. what that tells me. Whatever, Dorian. You I'll keep... betcha Tampa Bay put oh, in a gosh. much better offer. And they're like, no, you play in the division. We're yeah. going to trade with you and then. take a le- We're going we're gonna to take a lesser offer from the Sharks and put this. And then, and then they're like, yeah, we're going to take your offer, right. but you got to have these conditions. Compare it to the Ryan O'Reilly trade. What kind of prospects are they giving? All right. Because you look at Max Pacioretty, for example. You look at Ryan O'Reilly, and some of these prospects that have come back on the other side of this are highly regarded. Nick Suzuki getting Nick Suzuki dealt is a very good from prospect. Vegas yes. to Montreal. Like, that's – I actually that's had to a very, clap for Pierre – For Mark Bergevin Yeah, Mark Bergevin. Somehow. I'm mixing up my bad between yeah. GMs. Mark Bergevin actually got a good prospect. Tage Thompson's a really good prospect. Tage Thompson looked the part – at the Prospects Challenge. Okay. Well, what are Chris guys? Tierney and Dylan DeMello are both NHLers. Yes, they're they are roster end guys. Third pairing, third line guys. Chris Tierney actually is probably going to be their number two center right now going into camp. because Hell, he might be their one. Once they trade Matt Duchesne <laughs> for peanuts. 
then he'll be because unfortunately, uh, John Gabriel Pajot is now out for six months found a Achilles surgery. Oh my God! Think about this. They might have to still trade Duchesne and Mark Stone. Yeah, no, no, they're they're gonna trade Duchesne and this Mark Stone. This isn't over. This isn't over. Ugh. How now, bad can they be? Are they going to out tank the Sabers tank and yet not have the first overall pick or second overall pick? Yes. Or even their first round pick? Yes. They're gonna be. I. I. Yes. I'm kind of scared. To okay. See how bad they are. Josh Norris. 2017 first round pick. Okay, so he's fresh. 19, 19th overall. 19 years old. Currently playing at the University of Michigan. Okay. Last season with the team with Michigan, his freshman year, 23 points, 37 games. Pretty solid. Played in the World Juniors as well, 3.7 games. He's a solid player. From what I've seen from him, his ceiling is no higher than a low-end top six forward. More likely, he's probably going to be a pretty good third-line center. Oh, boy. Yeah. That hurts. He he was probably San Jose's third or fourth best prospect. All right, then. Which isn't bad, but considering his ceiling, it's eh. Because San Jose's also been doing a lot of, you know, All right. going for it. The other guy, Rudolf Balsers, or Balkers, something like that, from Latvia, fifth-round pick, 2015. He's 21. Had a really good year in the AHL last season. Hmm. 48 points, 67 games, 23 goals. He was Santa, He was the Barracudas, one of their best players. Probably his, Probably their best player, actually. So there's at least some promise with him that he can make the he can make the roster this year. He's a left winger. So we'll see what happens with him. I wouldn't say he's going to be a superstar, but he might be a pretty solid top 9 scorer, but he's not a world ender. And, and Ottawa now, didn't get and now a top Prospect. Yeah. And now here comes the big thing. Those first round picks, by the way, they're going to be in the bottom half of the round guarantee. Yeah. Because San Jose is at minimum a playoff team with hilarious first round exits. Yeah. But could also be a Stanley Cup team. Yeah. So they could get two first round picks if the Sharks actually go ahead and fulfill on their potential and make the Stanley Cup finals. Yep. But if they don't, and they're just a deep playoff team say, runs into the Western Conference Finals, and then they fall short, like the Sharks generally do, then that means Ottawa gets one first-round pick, no top prospects, for Eric freaking Carlson. Yep. Oh, and that Bobby Ryan Albatross contract is still on your roster. Marion Gabrick's contract is still on the roster. Clark MacArthur is still on the roster. Contract still on the roster. Craig Anderson's play fell off a cliff, so he's not going to save everything he's in sight. He's still on the roster. You still have to trade Duchesne. You still have to trade Stone. Mikael Bodker's, Bodker's still on the roster. How bad can this get? And that is something that I don't care to know because that's not my problem. It is not. <laughs> that's, see, that's pretty great. If the Sabres not go, our problem. If the Sabres go 500 or worse against Ottawa this year, they've got a problem. Yeah. 
Montreal, at least there's the excuse of Carey Price. Sabres lose two games to Montreal. It's like, oh, they have Carey Price. Okay. Carey Price stole them. That, that's a legitimate thing that happens. Ottawa? There is no reason to lose to them. Yeah. More than once. Because things do happen. It is hockey, after all. Yeah. Ottawa better hope that something monumentally destructive happens this year in San Jose so that they can get their first round pick. Because, yes, Buffalo does have it, but if San Jose misses the playoffs... That pick goes to them. The, the pick Sabres goes Ottawa, the Sabres get the 2020. And that's at least not lottery protected. Yeah. All right. But let's talk about the Sabres. Training camp opens. Just Skinner, Jack Eichel, Kyle Pozo, one of the lines of training camp, first day. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. First preseason game, Monday. Yeah. The first home one is Tuesday. So what does this mean? All right, Savers. Well, you're seeing Detroit lost Henrik Zetterberg. Yeah, that was unfortunate. already falling off a cliff. Yeah. It's unfortunate for Zetterberg that it ended that this it way. Does, it does really bite that it did end future, that way. Uh, future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. He's, what, I think he was like fifth all-time or sixth all-time in points for the Red Wings in franchise history. And that's so. a franchise that... Had Steve Eiserman on there, and Brendan Shanahan, and Sergei Fedorov, and Pavel Datsuk, Pavel Datsuk, Gordy Howe. Gord- oh yeah, right, Gordy Howe. So <laughs> it's a pretty storied franchise to be in the top ten in scoring. There, you did good. He's fifth. He's fifth. Top five in that storied franchise. You did good. Yep, he did good. The, do you want Detroit? But Detroit bites. Yep. Montreal bites. But they have Carey Price. Yeah, and Ottawa is on tank mode without a first rounder for some reason. The Sabers should be contending for at least the middle of the division with Florida, and if they're not, how much of a disappointment is it? I don't think they have to contend. They have to. I'm talking about being fourth in the division right now. That's still going to be tough to do because Florida is a really good team. What I'm saying, though, is they should be in contention for that. I'm not talking about making the dang playoffs, but I'm talking about, hey, at least be fighting for Florida, fighting with Florida to be on the top half of the division instead of the bottom of it. I think they I think they can. They yes, they they should. They have but things do. The talent is there. The potential is there. Now it's a matter of reaching that potential. Because, you know, it's it's like we talk about Josh Allen. He has this, all of this potential, but it's not going to click right away. And that's that's the same thing for the Sabers. Jack Eichel looks like he's going to have a monster year. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge. Whenever Reinhardt signs his contract, which hopefully is soon. He might have a really good year if he's playing with Eichel most of the year. Just as being a benefactor, being on his line. You've now got a Jeff Skinner, who's already talented enough as it is, in a contract year. You know he's playing for a big contract in the summer. And he's skating with a guy who can just And he's skating with Eichel right now as well. Jake McCabe called him a son of a bee to play against. (laughs) Yeah. 
which is probably now one of you the best add, compliments and you, can you add now you're adding the talent of Rasmus Dahlin. You're adding Casey Middlestat. But these these two they're still rookies. They have not played a sing they have not they played a combined seven NHL games, all for Middlestat. And now here's what I would like They've to say. They've never gone through the NHL grind. They've never gone through that daily grind. You're correct. And as a matter of fact, you might see from Middlestat so, the same thing that happened with Brock Besser, where he's where it seems like he's being scratched at random at the start of the season. But that's so that he can deal with the physical toll of travel and everything like that that yeah. a college player was not used to. So I could see that. My big thing is this. From what I saw at the Prospects Tournament, we might be seeing that step up from Alex Nylander. We might be. We might be. You want to know why? I said it on Monday. I'm going to say it again. The dude looks like he gets it. Yeah. He's fighting for everything that he needs to get when it comes to any sort of puck battles. He is grinding. He is doing the little things that he would not normally do. He took pride in being on that penalty kill for the prospects challenge Mm -hmm. and put up a beauty of a goal there, too, with a great play by Rasmus Asplund. Nylander had looked steady throughout the entire tournament. Was he dominant? No, but he did not disappoint either. Yeah. And then in that third game, he dominated. And he went off. He and Middlestat both dominated. Yeah. Cage Thompson, I thought, dominated through two games. And that's a guy who played 40 games in the NHL last year. So he has the experience. He just was pigeonholed into a fourth-line role. You could see a step up from some of these prospects. I expect to see a step up from some of these higher end prospects. And it's a lot of it too is because because there's a spot open. Not only the there's spots six, open, possibly top nine. There's say. competition. Yes, that's the biggest issue. That's where you're going to get the best out of the players. It is we see it with the Bills. There's competition, and it's in the forwards, and now it's in the defense. I don't think using the Bills is a good example right now. I understand. <laughs> But my point stands. All you got to do is throw in some competition and you can get the best out of players. Yes, I do agree with that. Competition always does bring out the best in people. And I think that that could happen here. My big thing is this. There's a chance for someone to secure at least a top nine position and possibly a top six position. Mm -hmm. Go get it. And one of these kids looks like they're going to. Of course, it's only the prospects tournament, and you know sometimes prospects always look shinier when they're playing against other prospects. But it's pretty refreshing to see. At the end of the day, Sabers get the preseason started on Monday. I want to see what happens. I want to see what the lines look like. I want to see what the style looks like. It's not like in the NFL where you have to hide schemes and you just go play hockey. Yeah, fast and loose. Let's go, Let's go bro. Let's go play hockey. Yes, there are styles and there are designs and everything I wanna, like that, but it's not like something that has to be picked apart by film. I want to see a line of Middlestat, Nylander, and Olofsson in preseason. Mm-hmm. I want to see that line again. Okay. Because that line, that's just such a, that's just, oh, that line's just dirty. Mm-hmm. Middlestat's playmaking ability, Nylander, now that he's looking good and he continues that. And he's fighting. And now he's fighting for a spot. And Olafson's shot. I was always wild every time he shot the puck in the prospects challenge. By the way, his, every time the puck left. Is his there stick, a chance that Olafson's shot alone might get him on the team? 
if he you might need that kind of shooting if he capitalized especially yeah well he looked like he was capitalizing there were for his shot he didn't score a lot of goals but the quick release on it good god goals and the but goals will come goals will come but i again and now he but now he's, he's going ready. up against tougher talent I don't think he's ready yet that's yeah. my thing yeah i think one year in the ahl might be all he need might be all he needs because in the prospects challenge he was doing those little things like one extra stick handle like he had extra time yeah because of and that you know what and that's that. that's yeah that's going to come down to the north so American i think one game. year in the ahl or even half a year in the ahl and he might be up yeah so i'm not i'm not going to be needing to see victor olofsson on this i dropped my phone i just that that shot alone like it's just it's deadly. a wower it's deadly it's a wowser yeah wowser yeah Bowser, Bowser, <laughs> Bowser, Bowser. Okay. All right, Frank. Here we go. Here we One go. One of the most exciting weekends of sports. Yeah. Sabers are back. The Bills hopefully bounce back, and the <laughs> Bulls might be back. Yeah. Everything so, is heading to a fever pitch. So I got a little, little thing. Real quick, real quick. If the Bills flop again, they're dead to me for the year. Okay. I'm looking at the draft. We're calling draft guys every week, and I don't care. All right? <laughs> okay, sounds good. So with Zetterberg now retiring. Right. You know how many games played his last three years were? Hmm. He played all 82 games the last three years. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's – consider that. That's pretty wild. And now yeah. his – and now he's retiring because of his back. Let that be a lesson to everyone. Your back will give out on you. If you're Can you star, name? If you're a star NHLer or if you're a radio producer, your back will give out on you. So I'd said that Zetterberg is fifth all time. Correct. In Red Wings and scoring. Mm-hmm. Are you going to make me try to guess? Because I'm not going to do well with this. I was only going to have you guess the rest of the top five. Again. I'm not going to do well with this. I know Stevie Y is going to be one of them. He's two. I know that uh, Gordy Howe is going to be on that. He is number one. All right. There we go. The Shock. easy ones are out of the way. Pavel Datsuk. No. Datsuk is seventh. Hmm. I don't know if Shanahan played that much time. Shanahan is tenth. That's what I thought. Um, How about Sergei Fedorov? He is sixth. Oh! Zetterberg <sighs> passed him last season. Dang. Zetterberg finished... Finishes his Red Wings career, his career with 960 points and just under 1,100 games played. How long was Paul Coffey on the wings? Not long enough. Okay, didn't think so. You're missing one obvious one. I'm probably trust me, I miss the obvious ones. He was around forever. Chris Draper. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Chelios wasn't a scorer. No. What the hell am I missing that's obvious here? Brett Hull didn't play there for that long. No. Uh, You're missing three and four, and I will tell you this. Here's Kozlov? Your... No. No. One of them is a forward. Three and four. You're, only need... You're missing three. Three and four, and one of them are a forward. One, one of them, them is a forward. forward, yeah. One of them are a forward. I'll tell you, let me tell you, I'll tell you this, though. 
Eighth on the list, somebody we've never heard of. You've never heard of Norm Ullman. Okay. Ninth, it's te- ninth is Ted Lindsay. Okay. Dude, I'm not gonna get these. I'm not good with the trivia. I'm really not. One is obvious. That's, it's you're gonna hit yourself. Probably. You do know that I'm not great with these things. Right? I know. So why are you making me do this? Because it's fun. Shut up, Frank. <laughs> We're wasting time. I need to eat food. All right. Do you want to know who they are? Yes. Number three is the forward, Alex Del Vecchio. Hall of, okay. Hall of Famer. He was around. around uh, That's Gordy the Hustle. obvious one? That's not the obvious one. Oh. I never said that that was the obvious one. No. So he was the forward. So the he defender was the, f- was the obvious one. It's Nick Lidstrom. Yes. There you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> All I needed was that extra push. Yeah. To get that one. Yeah. I wasn't getting three. <laughs> To hell with three. All right. I'm hungry. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done recording. I'm hungry. All right. This has been the Leftovers Podcast. Speaking of food, well, <laughs> great job there. Yeah. Should I have left it with the Bleepovers Podcast again? Whoa. I don't know. I don't know anymore. All right. Anyway, you've been listening to the Leftovers Podcast here on WGR550.com, on on-demand audio, or through the radio.com app. I'm Derek Kramer. I'm Frank R. Curry. And, hey, Sabres are getting started. Preseason game number one on Monday. The Bills hopefully bounce back on Sunday. The Bulls before that on Saturday. Bro, we're here. The fever pitch of sports in Buffalo is back. Weekends are going to be plenty fun going forward. Go Sabres. Go Bills. Go Bulls. Question mark. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.